Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of So What Are We Watching? My name's Jay Pollitt. And my name's Andrew. And this is our eighth episode. Uh, now, want to briefly apologise again for the big delay. Um, pretty much right after we released the last episode, I got laryngitis. Since I've recovered, time has been just changing and I've been just sick. Uh, but we're back for episode eight. And things should be going more regularly now as we're into the latter half of the year. Uh, well, I guess we'll start off by asking Andrew, what have you been watching? Well, I've watched quite a lot of films since uh, the last episode, since we've had that time. Um, since a lot of things have actually come out, came out during Arthur's. But one of the films I really want to see for a while is Bullet Train by David Leach, who... There's done films that people know, like Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, and John Wick, of course, which is absolutely iconic for its fast pace and, you know, Keanu Reeves um, being an absolute badass uh, assassin who can literally kill anybody with a pencil, because why not? And I'm taking it this time, instead of Keanu Reeves, it's just Brad Pitt being a badass. Well, it's Brad Pitt and a bunch of other characters being a badass. Um... The best way to describe this film, which I already did this in an article too, actually, was it's like Murder on the Orient Express meets Kill Bill, but with a, a bunch of assassins and Brad Pitt and Thomas the Tank Engine references. Um, I'm not going to spoil why exactly there's Thomas the Tank Engine references. There's Thomas the Tank Engine references. Yes. Um, one of them is like, don't be a diesel. Uh, which I find really funny. Well, just scattered throughout the whole film, there's just a bunch of Thomas the Tank Engine references, because why not? But this film has a massive range of characters for, for one movie, one Sony movie, actually, surprisingly. Um, there's obviously there's Brad Pitt, there's Joey King, there's Aaron Taylor-Johnson, there's Michael Shannon. There's just a lot of characters in this Um there's a few cameo characters too, actually, which I find really, really funny. This film, this film is it's a two-hour, you know, uh, adrenaline mystery comedy sort of ride, and it all just takes place on a bullet train that's going from one station past a bunch of others to its final destination, where there's a bunch of more assassins waiting. So it's the assassins on the train, and there's more assassins waiting for the assassins at this last station. It's based in Japan. I'm not too sure exactly uh, which stations in Japan, but I just know it's it's very it's very colorful. It's not too gory, but it's got some kills in there that make you kind of uh, squirm a little bit. The comedy is a little bit weird, but you know it's a Sony film. But this is one of those films where it kind of shows that Sony has uh, the potential to be. A movie making studio are not just a Spider Man enterprise making all these weird spin offs. Like, they can actually make some good films sometimes, and this is one of those films. Like, it's not a masterpiece, but it's definitely a film that, if you're bored and you don't have anything to watch and you think half the stuff in cinema anyway is absolute rubbish, you should give it a try. Because, one, you've got Brad Pitt, you already recognize his face. You've got the directors of John Wick, Deadpool, Atomic Blonde, Hobson Shaw, a bunch of other films. It's got other characters you probably recognize. The soundtrack, the fighting, the choreography, the cinematography, everything is just great. It's it's just an enjoyable flick. What I'm curious to know is, 
you say that it's based off a manga. How well does that translate into the I actual won't film? I know. Um, I haven't read it. I think. In the way that like Scott Pilgrim is based off a comic book, but you can very easily tell that it's based off a comic book by like the editing style and everything. No, it's not. It's not done like that. It's not done like how a lot of films and media will comic book like stylize. It doesn't make it. It has a lot of flashbacks, but not like um, the the graphic novel kind of flashbacks. It's more. Like, it's more grounded it's difficult to explain but so it's 100 percent live action 100 percent live action yeah well it all ties together like in the end which is actually not this is also another thing so sony likes to kind of uh spoil the movies in their trailers if you've ever watched any sony movie trailer and it's something they're quite you know prone to doing with Bullet Train, I, I mean, I, I saw the trailer and thought I already spoiled it for myself because they already knew the main basis. But when you actually watch the film, you kind of realize, oh no, I was wrong because it kind of everything leads up together. The reveal is a little bit funny, but you know, you get to learn why everybody's actually on that train. But it is a good film to just kind of switch your brain off. And not like Thor, Love and Thunder, because people are trying to defend that, saying, oh yeah, you could just switch your brain off of that. But there's a difference. Thor Love and Thunder was just I'm pretty sure I was one of those people. Yeah. Thor Love and Thunder was just a mess. This was, I mean, yeah, it's not perfect, but it was a lot better than Thor. I'll tell you that much. Normally, I'm quite picky with action films because I know how a lot of them will go. But if, it, if it's anything to be based off the guy who did, like, John Wick, then I'm automatically interested, like... He basically he made another film called Nobody, which is basically kind of like the anti John Wick. Instead of like, well, not even the anti John Wick. It's like it's similar to John Wick, but it's different because he's a uh, quote unquote auditor. But it kind of just follows like a guy who looks like a you know your general like a suburban white dad who's probably got a bit of a dad bod and all that, and has like a boring average job. And then you kind of learn throughout the film not to mess with this person. That's kind of like. Um, the formula in Bullet Train, like appearances and, you know, all that are deceiving. Brad Pitt's character is kind of, it's probably the, the most fun he's probably had as a character because his character's quite clumsy and quite unlucky, even though his name, uh, nickname in the film was Ladybug, which is supposed to be like luck and all that, which is ironic because um, bad luck is his main thing in the film, so he accidentally ends up killing people even though he's an assassin but kills them in ways he didn't mean to so it's, it's funny before we move on to the next film uh, i just want to ask what would you give this film out of 10 Ooh, i would probably give it 7.5 maybe like a an 8 out of 10 it's funny that you say that because on imdb that's the exact score that they've given it so <laughs> yeah because like I said, I, I'm I'm repeating this a lot, but it was a good film. I enjoyed it. I do wish I had seen it in uh, 4D. I'm surprised I didn't. I might go back and watch it in 4D and then give my thoughts on it because that's also a great. Like this, it feels like um, a film you should be watching in 4D, especially because of the fight scenes um, and the way the camera moves with it too. It's quite good. Seven point five, eight out of ten. Okay. So, what have you been watching? Oh, uh, if you have been watching anything, 
Well, uh, so this episode we originally thought was going to come out like weeks ago. So this is something I watched like at the beginning of August, maybe. Uh, it's the only film I've watched recently, though, because I haven't been watching a lot of films. Uh, but that film, it's a film that we discussed the trailer for um, a few episodes back. I can't remember which episode. But this film is the LGBTQ plus conversion therapy camp film that's a slasher called They Slash Them. Now, let me ask first, is it any good? It's that that's not even a question I can answer just straightly. Uh, haha, funny gay film, so straightly. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's it's got some good stuff in it. There's a lot of bad stuff in it as well, though. See, I feel like you're trying to sell me this film now, saying it's not that bad. I feel like it was bad. Well, most people seem to despise this film. I don't think it's as bad as most people made it out to be. One thing I remember when I was researching this film for when we were doing the trailer on it was people were saying stuff like, oh, well, why are you making a slasher film at a conversion therapy camp? Like, surely that's, like, a lot of the horror anyway. And without kind of spoiling it, a lot of the horror is kind of more focused on that side of it rather than being a slasher film. Like, there's slasher elements throughout it, but the horror isn't dependent on the slasher stuff. Like, it is purely a film about being in a gay conversion therapy camp. Well, I'm not I'm not really spoiling it, but, like, the film, obviously, it's about a gay conversion therapy camp, but I think a lot of the marketing tries to sugarcoat that a little bit and be like, hey, look, this is a slasher film. But then when you come to it, you realize, oh, God, this is like so much like more freakier and messed up than that. Yeah. So basically it's it's got a lot of things that maybe a lot of people weren't expecting. But then there's also some parts really do let it down. Um, I'll talk about like the negatives of the film. Uh the acting, for the most part, is just very, just bland and robotic and just sometimes cringeworthy. Uh, Kevin Bacon is the exception. I mean, was was the kills any good? The kills, um, I don't remember. I think it's more of a kind of, I don't, I can't even say psychological horror, but it's more, it's more the conversion therapy stuff that's more freaky. Does anybody actually die in this? Yeah. I'm not going to spoil who, but th- there are deaths in it. But you're basically, from what you're saying, is the kills not that memorable to actually say they're good. Yeah, I think it's just, like, the film, it's not reliant on the deaths that are in it. Like, the deaths are there, but, like, you're not frightened when they happen because, uh, well, I can't say because it's going to spoil the film otherwise... But yeah, like, there's other things, like, the horror aspect of the film is purely more reliant on the actual aspect of it being a conversion therapy camp. But yeah, so, but bar um, Kevin Bacon, uh, like, most of the acting's just a bit, it feels weird to see them, like, all put together. But, like, there's some great scenes in the film, like, stuff that makes you just feel uncomfortable as it goes on. Because it's, it's like a conversion therapy camp that poses as being a fake conversion therapy camp if you know what i mean like somewhere that advertises okay as a conversion therapy camp when in reality it's just a place for it's meant to be like a safe space for queer people but then they get there and it's not that 
but yeah, that's it's just kind of like as the film goes on, it starts getting more and more uncomfortable. I don't know. I mean, there's some really it's there's like a lot of weird changes in the atmosphere throughout the film. So one minute you've got like this really terrifying sequence, I mean it's followed by um I don't think it's a spoiler here, but uh basically like all the queer characters get together at one point and start singing pink. Yeah, I feel like that would be terrifying. <laughs> It's not just terror. It's like, oh yeah. So everybody, if people being butchered, no people singing pink in god awful pitch. Yeah, yeah. I'd be scared. Uh, I think that's like one of the big major things I've, I've heard I feel about like I'd it. I'd be absolutely disappointed then if I went to watch that. Hmm. I'd be. I feel like I'd be like really disappointed if I actually watched this film then because I haven't attempted to watch it and now I feel like I don't even want to. Because if it's supposed to be a slasher, that's not even a slasher. It's focus on something else and what's the point well i think that's a good thing because it makes it not I mean, at, least, at least tell me the um, it makes it unique at least tell me they did something with the um the title at least at least they paid like did a payoff of it or something or was that just there because hey guess what pronouns there is somebody slashing people <laughs> if that's what you want me to say <laughs> like i probably expected more from the film but you know i haven't watched it so i can't really judge but then again i don't think i will at this point it's a great flick that's just about just like the in-depth horrors of things. And I actually think it would maybe do better without the slasher stuff. So they could have just marketed it as, as a uh, a film that's not a slasher. They could have just done it as a different horror, like an elevated horror. Yeah, but um, it is a slasher because there is slasher stuff in it. Uh, it just doesn't prioritize on that aspect of the horror. Over your overall verdict on this film... Uh, it's not the worst film I've seen, but it's definitely not the best either. Um, it's just somewhere like there in the middle. Like it's fine. There's some stuff that it could do without, but it it's just overall it's it's a fine film. What do you rate like rank it <sighs> score wise? Uh, five out of ten. I think that's what I gave it. Literally slashed in half. Haha. <laughs> um. So heading into our second act and. It's a little bit different. This is us basically trying to figure out what the hell is going on with Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah, y- y- a lot of you already know what my opinions are on Warner Brothers at this point. Um, and I'm, I would be concerned if anybody had different points, had like different feelings towards the situation. Um, I guess in case nobody is aware, what what Warner Brothers is just being bad <laughs> uh, do you want to sum it up as to what's been happening basically a bunch of stuff has come out for Warner Bros lately like in the past few weeks like in terms of their film projects and a lot of it is to do with like DC in a way um, with some of the bits and bobs everywhere but there's been film cancellations there's been film delays there's been um project cancellations i'm pretty sure at one point there's an article saying they they have no money to be marketing films because they've kind of used it all i do know some of the old ceos and all that and heads of Warner Bros have been fired um there's been a lot happening um i feel like we're probably best off starting off with 
something that probably a lot of people have heard of, um, which has just come out of nowhere, is the cancellation of Batgirl. So apparently there was a viewing and it was deemed unwatchable and David, uh, the head currently... It was uh, an audience test screening. Yeah. The head currently in Warner Bros. or Warner Bros. Discovery has basically said, yeah, now we're going to shelve it. We don't want to watch that to be released. And apparently they had like the whole film done and they've just decided, yeah. The whole film was late into post-production and they just cancelled it like that. And I'm pretty sure the thing is, because um, oh, I forgot who directed it now. There were guys that did Miss Marvel. Um, but they were basically told like at the very last minute, hey, we're, we're cancelling this. And, like, there was nothing they could do to try and save their own project. And now uh, the film just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, because they delete the digital version too. Um, so at a few, like, I probably want to say like a week or two afterwards, they was trying to salvage it basically because a lot of films would like to keep references. And the whole digital, because they shot on digital, it looks like, or they might have shot a few bits on digital, has just been erased. And I feel like this is, it stems from what happened with um, probably Snyder's stuff because they don't want hope that there'll be fans campaigning. Um, which is it's that's kind of already started happening actually. There's always there's already been like tags like you know, released a Batgirl movie, but I I mean personally I don't think it's gonna be as strong of a campaign as uh, the Snyder thing because in reality not not well there's not really anything they can do now yeah, anyway. But in reality, not a lot of people are actually looking forward to this film. I mean yeah sure I feel really bad for the people that were working on this film, the actors and all that, um, but behind the scenes. This film has it's it's been a little bit messy too, because one of Rose Discovery kind of wanted the whole um, multiverse thing to be kind of included, because if they've, they've got J.K. Simmons in this, um, Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck, but none of the actors were actually told like what was actually happening, so they had no idea, and this is all stemming from the Flash too, with all these multiversal plans, um, but I, I do feel bad for the whole production team. Even though, I'll be honest, not a lot of people will watch this film anyway. But, um... I mean, for me, I was never... I'm, I'm not a DC fan, as I'm sure everybody knows. So when this film comes out... Oh, sorry, when this film would have come out, uh, I probably wouldn't have watched it. But uh, I still have the utmost sympathy for everybody who worked on this because they were basically... It's like, imagine working a job you absolutely love just every day of your life and then all of a sudden bam it's just gone like that like no warning signs at all i feel um, like this is what dc fans are starting to realize now are they starting to realize like what uh warren brewers have kind of done in the past like to other film directors and actually kind of realizing uh what what they do now like this is not like also it's not the first time anything like this has happened or anytime you know something's even not being released or being cancelled, something like that. Like, um, I'm pretty sure James Wan was supposed to be doing a spin-off uh, horror film or horror thing uh, with the trench from Aquaman. Wanderer has told him, no, we're not doing that. There was supposed to be a New Gods film in development. Wanderer said, no, we're not doing that, shelved it. Um, I think what's so significant about this, however, is the fact this film was done, like, not well, not fully done, but like they'd finished filming it all, they were so far into post production, and now they've just shut it down completely. Like, 
I'm going to say this now from a filmmaker's point of view, um, a film producer's point of view as well. Um, if I felt that a film wasn't going well in production, which I'll give an example, actually. Void, a film we did last year, um, ends up getting quite messy in the production because everybody had like all our own things going on. There's no one single person to blame. Um, but we were all kind of losing passion for the film, I think. But I never never once had actually crossed my mind that, hey, we're just going to cancel this film. Because it's like, that's just not something you do. Like, you know, we had another film come out earlier on this year called Culture Shock. If I watched it and was like, actually, I don't like this, I wouldn't decide, hey, I'm just going to just not release it now. Um, because I'm not the only person that has worked on these films like there's other people as well and it's this it's the exact same thing for Batgirl except there's like so many more people that work on those films um so many people have put so many days and hours and everything into these films and they get nothing in return when they were expecting something in return and I think it's I think it's honestly it's something I'm very passionate about clearly <laughs> um Especially because, like, even though I probably wouldn't have watched this film, it might have been something I had watched, like, years down the line, because the work that the directors of this film did on Captain Marvel, they only did... Not Captain Marvel, sorry. Miss Marvel. Um, they only did episodes one and six, which were the best episodes. Um, so I, I could have watched that for that, but I don't know. But regardless of whether I'd watch it or not, um, nobody deserves their work to just be destroyed like that i think i've mentioned this before actually the main re reason that this has been cancelled is uh because of the new leadership of wanderers of wanderers discovery uh david saslav i think i'm saying his right name right um basically he hinted at uh the quality of that girl basically saying like we want to go push out films that we actually believe in um and i think to be fair this film actually started production when the old like regime like old like um uh heads of warner brothers were still active when basically the mess that was kind of made after you know uh, justice league and all that um like Justice League, get it? Like Joss Whedon, Justice. Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, basically, after that whole disaster, basically, I tried redoing some films. So you got films like Aquaman, Shazam, Birds of Prey, The Suicide Squad. Some good, some bad. But basically, it's like their films after that. And it was just trying to get stuff to tie into The Flash. Um, and now that David's come along, he's basically... What what I think what he's trying to what he's doing currently is basically trying to get rid of any projects that actually were going to be started uh, that are like you know to do with like, the old like DC uh, film franchise and just try to clean up a little bit and I, I believe too there are other films that are actually being either cancelled or just not going to start like there's going to be a Supergirl project with um, the Supergirl from the Flash film that's coming up and that's not happening anymore. I believe Blue Beetle is at risk um, too, even though that's start production. Uh, Peace shows like Peacemaker and all that, I think are fine. Um, 
I know the Flash is still going ahead, even though they were considering to cancel it. Although there was, there was a Warner Bros. exec actually or something like that has come out saying like the film's really good from a film screen testing, but I mean, yeah, a film could be good, but the actor in that film, uh, yeah, I, I still don't think it, it should be released. But well, I think one huge thing that's happened with all this because obviously it's the merger between Discovery and Warner Media. Um, it's just it, it's affected a lot more than just the film industry. So one thing that has been quite big alongside the whole Batgirl thing is the removal of so many things on HBO Max, which includes um, something that I have been an avid fan slash watcher of close enough, which is kind of the follow-up show to regular show, um, which lasted for seven years. And then they had close enough, which was like a more adult show. Um, And I know with that, they had... Uh, they got three seasons and they started working on the fourth. They were they were working on the fourth, and then Warner Brothers just came in and says, uh, "You're cancelled. You're not making season four. Uh, while it was already in like production, um, and now just basically with no time at all for fans to just rewatch the show after it was cancelled last minute, um, they removed it off HBO Max. And now there's no way in the US to legally watch Close Enough." Or so many other things, such as uh, Infinity Trains, Summer Camp Island. Uh, those are the animated stuff. And yeah, just a lot I heard of stuff. About Infinity Train. Yeah, I mean, that I think has been in like production hell the whole time, basically, because the creator, Owen Dennis, was always um, trying to get more seasons out of it. But it's unfortunate because the time that that happened was kind of when streaming became more of a priority and I don't, I don't know i think they just didn't care much about it which it also reminds me a lot of what happened with doctor who in the 80s because the reason doctor who got cancelled in 1989 was literally because the manager at the time not the manager the uh the head of drama at the bbc just didn't like doctor who so he was like right i'm gonna cancel it it's like you don't cancel something especially something like this big just because you as a person don't like it. Like, other people will still like it. Yeah. I feel like also uh, with uh, Warner Bros, um, with the whole mess that's happening with HBO Max and the merger, there's also another big thing that's happened too, um, which is kind of showing how the leadership at Warner Bros currently and the mess that was made is now like having its effects, like the the, the long term effects are starting to happen now. Um, legendary entertainment, the um, the company behind Dune and Godzilla and quite a lot of other films is basically leaving Warner Bros. That the partnership's no longer going to be uh, a thing, and I, f- I believe they're leaving for like a rival studio like Sony or Paramount. I believe. Yeah, I think they're just seeking just like anybody else, basically, because it's been that toxic, I think, under Warner Brothers. They have in the past worked under like Universal, Paramount, Sony and Netflix uh, alongside Warner Brothers. uh, So I can easily see them jumping back to one of them. Or, you know, just predicting this now, they might end up going to Disney because Disney seems to get everything now. (laughs) Well, you know, that makes sense, too. You know why? 
because uh, Disney are actually making a King Kong series. Um, okay. A Skull Island series, apparently, which I, I find really interesting. I'm just like, how does that work? Um, Wait, I, I didn't know. I think Disney. Legendary Pictures did the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, they did a lot of things. Um, but I, I've known more for the Godzilla versus Kong. But there's probably more films I've gone. Um, oh, Detective Pikachu. There you go. I totally forgot about that. Um, I'm I'm quite surprised to be fair, but then again, I'm not really. You know, it's you get what you deserve. And uh, it seems like it seems like the fall. beginning of a rebellion. Seems like the beginning of the end for one of us. It seems like something that's a long time coming. Um, I believe they only have like not even a lot of films coming out this year. They've got like three films, three or four films left. A lot like coming out in theater. The rest are just going straight to HBO Max. Um, I do know they have been getting stuff out as of recently, series-wise. Like, they just got out uh, House of Dragon for Game of Thrones. I don't know if that's doing well or not. Uh, I do know it's had a lot of views, but I don't know if the ratings are good on it, really. But then again, I'm not really a Game of Thrones nerd fan. Um, I do know Warner Bros. is trying to get like get their own Kevin Feige for the DC uh, universe and they've, they've what found was the guy's name again? Apparently, uh, Dan Lin, who did films like um, with a lot of films with uh, Warner Brothers anyway, but mostly known for the Lego movie, uh, Lego Batman and Lego Ninjago. So, um, I mean, he has watched other films too, like um, Terminate Salvation, it, um, Live action Aladdin. Yeah. Godzilla, uh, King of the Monsters, Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, I don't know, he hasn't directed, but he works on those, but I know he directed Lego movies. Um, which I kind of find a bit of a strange choice to, you know, have someone uh, to lead a DC universe for the next 10 years. It might work, it might not, but. Who knows? We'll, we'll have to see. I mean, they can... I'm just not bothered, to be fair. Like, I'm not bothered who is in charge of it, because all this stuff with Warner Brothers is just further emphasising my point, which I think I made in the last episode, that I'm just not interested in viewing any Warner Brothers stuff at this moment in time. Um, I think I've got, like, a point, and I think... A point? No, sorry, that sounds egotistical. Um... <laughs> I think I've got like a point in time where I might reconsider going back to watching that film, their films, and that would be if David Saslav, um, or however you say his name, uh, was to resign. Because right now, under him, it seems to be, and he hasn't even been the CEO that long, right? It just seems to be a really toxic work environment under him, just in this small time that he's been there. I mean, really, what else is to say about the, the Warner Bros. situation? There's just more stuff coming out um, every week. Basically, if any more of this stuff comes along as time goes on, uh, I'm sure you will be able to hear about it on this podcast right here. Yeah, you probably will. Uh, because you'll hear us complain about it in the next episode, so... You'll hear me eventually saying, I'm finally coming back to Warner Brothers. Uh, 
after David leaves. So for our third act, uh, we're kind of just extending on from our second act. Uh, we're going to be talking about just the other issues in the industry that aren't specifically Warner Brothers. Uh, Andrew, do you want to lead on with that? I feel like I'm going to start with what's happening with Netflix. Um, Netflix are currently have been cancelling quite a few of the shows and all that. I do know, I do know viewership has been going down with Netflix, but I do know they've cancelled, um, which I've only just found this out, actually, Archive 81. I did not know that was cancelled. I'm actually really shocked about that because I really liked Archive 81 because that's, uh, that was directed by James Wan, too, which I'm really surprised at. Okay. They cancelled it. Um, but one thing I'm not actually surprised that they actually cancelled is the Resident Evil show on Netflix because that was god-awful, which I, it's, I don't understand this. Why can't any company just get a Resident Evil, a Resident Evil film or series right? It's not that hard. Just follow the game. Don't add random stuff into it. Netflix has decided, yeah, we'll keep the name, but it'll be nothing to do with Resident Evil. Right. Um, uh, I haven't seen it, so... <laughs> well, it's, it's absolutely awful. I mean, if you if you never played Resident Evil, you never watched any films, you might enjoy it. But... It sucks that all these things are just getting cancelled, though. It's always, like... I don't know. I mean, I think we're kind of coming into the point now with streaming where maybe things are becoming more apparent that it's not as original if you get what i mean because there's so much competition between streaming platforms you know you've now got netflix disney plus paramount plus uh oh, what else there britbox amazon prime the list goes on and you just I've seen so many people online saying, oh god, not another streaming service. And it's true, because everyone is trying to compete with each other now just to get these figures. But people don't have the money to be doing stuff like that. Um, so people will favor one over the other if they prefer a specific type of content. So like, if you're a massive Marvel fan or a massive Star Wars fan, you'll probably keep Disney Plus over the others. Um, and the fact, not to get too political for a moment... Um, but the fact that like inflation and stuff's going on isn't helping. I do know something that Netflix has been planning for a while that it actually might include, which kind of completely, you know, um, ignores the reason of having a streaming service, is they plan on having ad-supported plans, which would be like cheaper plans, but with like ads in between um, parts of shows and all that. So you still have to pay for it? Yes. So you're paying essentially for ads. <laughs> You're paying for a cheaper version of Netflix. That makes no sense. So Netflix currently has like different plans. One of them's like a low quality one. But also you can pay for a plan which is like, oh yeah, you can have ads on it and you pay less money. It's only because like the number of subscribers like still declined this year because of the price rises. And I mean that's happened with quite a lot of um streaming platforms, which I, I can understand they did that like made a free Netflix that maybe also the content's a bit more limited that has ads. Like, that would be excusable, but paying and then getting more ads, like, what? <laughs> yeah, the only reason I can't still watch Netflix is for shows like Stranger Things and uh, most recently Sandman, which is um, apparently another thing too, which isn't something that's going to get cancelled, but there's fears by the actual creep of the comic uh, that they might not even do a second series because despite being like one of the most popular shows in the past few 
uh, weeks. Um, they've been really, really good, if I don't mind saying so myself. Um, they might even be able to make a second season because apparently it was really expensive, which kind of shows that Netflix has a, a money problem, which is kind of quite apparent if they're cancelling a lot of things, uh, which I'm just hoping yeah. that they don't cancel Sandman 2, especially in one of those part. If they do cancel it, they need to at least put it like HBO Max, which this this is, again, why I'm angry with one of those. They make good things and then they don't continue it on, but they'll keep renewing like absolute trash. Like, I remember when they had, I think it was when they had the DC streaming platform. This would have been way before HBO Max, actually. They had, they had like a DC uh, Pacific streaming platform. Uh, before HBO Max, they had like Star Girl on it. They had like uh, Swamp Thing and all that. Um, they had um, Titans and Doom Patrol. One of the best series on there, which got cancelled after like thirteen episodes, was Swamp Thing, and it was like one of the bit like the darkest, scariest like um, DC series ever. And it was like pretty true to the comics, and they just got rid of it. It's like Constantine; they got rid of that. Anything that's good, they just destroy, and that's. I, I'm hoping they don't do that with Sandman because it's absolute masterpiece. Yeah, I think. I mean, whatever happens, happens. I guess, but I mean, they need to start thinking more like socially, like seeing what. What what do the general like? What do the consumers want? Like, obviously, they're big corporate. They don't care about what the consumers want, but at the end of the day, I mean, I'm just saying. What the consumers want is what is going to get them more money. Um, well, no, I, I mean, yeah, no, I can agree and then disagree with it. It depends on who they're looking at, typically for consumers who kind of outweigh the rest because they could be looking at one like sort of like um, graphic of people and kind of be catering to them, which is kind of what they do with the shows. And then a lot of people being like turned off by it because it could be it's like a hit and miss. It could be really good or it could be absolutely like rubbish, um, which fifty percent of the time is the case with quite a lot of shows on Netflix. Like I've I've tried to watch some new stuff they just put out, and a lot of it's just like, why was this even need to be created? Um, which is like what the thing with Resident Evil, like why was that made? But you know, if they actually learn like who the majority of their audience is, then actually do like quality over quantity and catering to like a tiny amount of people, then they actually might get more people back. But the only reason that they have like people now is like Stranger Things and some of the films that've been on there and um, some of the horrors and bits of stuff that people like. But everything else, you know, is kind of off point. Okay, well, we're going to move on to our next big story, which is, um, let's talk about Cineworld. Oh, it's... And all the things that are happening with them right now. Oh, so this this was a, a bombshell of a headline last week. No, it wasn't even last week, but even the week before. Um, apparently, uh, the stocks of Cineworld, or the, the people that basically own Cineworld, uh, I think it's like regional cinemas or something like that. It dropped the stocks dropped like eighty percent. They just all dropped and 
the now the cinemas are basically how to file for bankruptcy, which is kind of like you know all the cinemas in the UK are probably more likely to be shut down, and I believe they because they were already suffering like cinemas were suffering from successes like quite a lot of all the local cinemas probably like Odeon, Zoo, um, you know all, all of them like AMC, but. Cineworld has been struck in the most, uh, and they were hoping with stuff like Thor, Love and Thunder, and Top Gun Maverick that they'd be able to generate like revenue back. But it doesn't like they tried, like they got them the amount of money they needed back, and they haven't been able to support. So the whole company is just gonna go bust. It looks like. Yeah, I think. I think, from what I can see, there's a couple major factors that go into this. Um, to start it off, it's kind of like what I said earlier. I think streaming has kind of ruined a lot of, like, a kind of a cinema experience, if you get what I mean. I don't want to sound like one of those, but it's there. there isn't anything quite like going to the cinema to watch a film. Like, you're not, like, you're cut off from all the distractions outside of um this little world that you're watching or this big world that you're watching and it's it's sad that it's kind of resorted especially due to the pandemic and stuff to people just watching films on their tv where they're probably not even fully engaging with it and i don't know how realistic this is but i know i don't know if it's similar to the fact that like with spotify I know that there's like this huge thing where it's like if you truly want to support your artists, buy like albums off the actual artists instead of listening to them on Spotify. Um, because basically Spotify, they get very small amount of money from like the streaming stuff on there. And I don't know how similar that may be with the film industry, the, whether like these streaming services just take all the money and the actual filmmakers don't get much. Well, this is what I'm thinking. Um, um, I'm thinking like cinema is slowly dying when you think about it because now like a lot of the like films you see and all that go straight onto like streaming services within like a week or demand like i'm pretty sure nope uh which came out like a few weeks ago went straight on to like demand like the week after it was released in cinemas um and i'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure like stuff like fall and thunder and top Gun maverick they all go into like after like a few weeks we'll go into like dvd or like digital um I do know. And I mean, I think a lot of people have just started to have that mindset now of, oh, I won't bother watching it in the cinema. I'll watch it when it comes out on demand or something. And I, I don't know. It's just kind of sad because I understand the mindset, but at the same time, it is. It's going to eventually be the downfall of the industry. Of the cinema industry. I, I do think the cinema industry like is dying slowly. I mean, think if you think about it, like, look at the films that came out during August. There's not actually been many like big films that have come out like i mean yeah um, like blockbuster films no yeah because summertime is always like a massive time for blockbuster films i mean yeah, there's barely been anything like I- i've been to see like four films and, I- I- and then I'm-, I'm just fed up already and you know i feel like that's the there's that and it's the prices uh which i mean obviously it's a debatable thing but a city world ticket now is like between I want to say like ten to twelve quid, something like that. It's expensive, and I, I... that's the other thing I was going to bring up. That I think a huge part of it as well is, you know, at more expensive prices, don't more don't particularly mean that your company is going to do well. 
Uh, I I think it's quite off-putting to be honest. I wouldn't. I haven't gone to Cineworld in a long time because I think it's just too expensive. I mean, um, I pay for cinema. Like pass I remember getting my money's worth out of it, but even then, I can't get my money's worth out of it if there's not any films out because that's it's it's kind of hard to like you know at least you know be able to save at least like 30, 40 quid a month with this pass and only be able to see like so many films because they're literally not releasing any good films and all the other cinemas are. I'm, I'm, I've been. I think out of the major three, uh, UK chain cinemas, so Cineworld, View, and Odeon, I think Cineworld has like the most expensive tickets. Yeah, and the food is it, food and drink has gone up too. Even with a discounted like thing from a Cineworld like in Lithica. Food and food was already expensive. Yeah. It's like nearly four quid for like uh, a large, uh, drink now, uh, Cineworld. So Andrew, I want to ask if um if Cineworld does have to close down, uh, where will you be going to the cinema? Most likely Odeon, um, because I'm I'm aware they also do like some sort of cinema pass. I've never been. To... Yeah, it's like fifteen pound a month. Is it? I thought it was ten. I was told it was. No, 10. I mean it might have been years ago, but it's like fifteen pound a month. No. But it's basically you watch two films and you paid for it. Wow, you're right. Fourteen ninety nine. When did you put it off? It's not that bad though. I mean, like. Like I say, if you watch two films, you've paid for it, basically. If you're a regular cinema-goer, it's a good deal. It's a shame you don't do cinema passes. I remember uh, when I used to go with you all the time. There was, a, there was a time where I never used to go to Cinema World because I was fed up with it. But this was probably back in, like, po- like uh, before pandemic, like, pre-pandemic, like, 2018, 2019. I would go to view all the time because I had, like, my uh, bus pass, which is, like, my free bus pass. And a, a cinema ticket out of view was like five quid, so you could go see like two films in one day. It cost you ten quid. It was yeah. great. I'm pretty sure that's gone up yeah, too now. Though. It's like seven quid now, something like that for a cinema ticket out of view. Not still not bad. It's between like seven and eight because they got uh, recliner chairs, so you have to pay extra for them. Yeah, uh, I mean, cinema have recliner chairs, but you know, um, I mean, it's it's not bad, but you know, I'd rather pay for something and then be able to just watch as many films as I want and that's kind of what the appeal of this pass was because then I could just you know save money because it, it with because I, I like to, I'm at cinema like quite a lot and I like what like to watch like everything that comes out so for me it would be like expensive to go somewhere and keep buying a single ticket every time but probably like 40 50 quid a month so yeah it would be like a very expensive sort of hobby um so a cinema pass is ideal but I probably would have just have to go to Odeon um, if not, I'd probably just have to stay away from cinema for a bit and just, you know, succumb to stream services and wait until things come uh, digitally, which, you know, I don't want to. But, but it looks like... I mean, how much was the City World uh, movie uh, pass? 15 Okay, so that's literally like a pound more than it would be if you went to Odeon then. I mean, Cineworld is still open as of, you know, um, there have been problems with the Cineworld app, actually, quite since that uh, thing has been announced. So it looks like the fears are starting to be pumped in. Um, And also, I know something else, which this might be like a a last minute attempt to kind of just generate money or to, you know, generate like people coming in. But I do know uh, on the 3rd of September, they're doing National Cinema, uh, Cinema Day 
uh, discount, which is like any film is like three quid. So I think that's the same for most cinemas. Yeah, they're doing that. With Odeon, it's about that as well. But also, I'm just thinking that's not going to be great for uh, Cineworld. And also, there's not any good films coming out this weekend either. Everything comes out like next week, week after. So. I do have a No Way Home extended cut, but I mean, I kind of feel differently about that. I'm not sure if I am going to see it. To be fair, as much as I love to go to cinema, I also hate it. And a part of me is kind of glad that Cineworld is maybe going because they've never really been good with regulating. Um, I mean, near me anyway, regulating and kind of like uh, preventing people. I mean, it's going to get everywhere, but the Sydney world in Ashton, where I am, was really bad for just people talking, people kicking chairs and putting their feet up everywhere and all that. Like, right. It's, it's part of the reason I hate Sydney Like, as much as I love it, I just hate people uh, in general. And I hate people at uh, the Sydney world in Ashton because people just, you know, don't know what shut up and watch the film means. Um, which I feel that's another thing about our generation. Like I feel like that's why people like to watch it at home because they don't like human interaction. And now like we're in a post-pandemic world, um, then more and more people probably prefer to be at home and watch a film rather than be out in public because they kind of forgot how annoying people can be. <laughs> but then again, I haven't really had that kind of experience at Odeon. Odeon seems fairly laid back. But regardless, like my heart goes out to all the workers at Sydney World who could be getting laid off. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a horrible situation. Um, but there are definitely ways they could have prevented this, I think. But Mo- Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and on to our last uh, piece of news for this episode is Marvel again related um so basically uh the workers who work in association with Marvel Studios for doing all the animation stuff so all the VFX and the CGI uh have basically I, I don't know the full story but I think they're like protesting because they're getting underpaid or something well not so much underpaid but they're getting overworked to the point where um because there's so many projects coming out over time that suddenly they have to work on more stuff within like the same time and it's becoming very restricting on them um yeah what what are your views on this i think i've kind of said this before uh with marvel it it's looking at it's looking like it's uh, quantity over quality at this point. I feel like you've also probably said it too. Yeah, I think it's 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 just a sad situation because it's a bunch of people's livelihoods basically, um, who are suddenly you know maybe they're having to work overtime, maybe they're having to do all this extra just because Kevin Feige's there announcing, hey, we're doing twenty new projects this year and twenty projects next year, and then. A few years ago, they had, like, one or two projects, and now they're, like, 20 different projects, and they have to work on so much stuff within this limited time space. And it, I could imagine so many people are probably going to be going off, if not, they probably already are, um, on, like, mental health sick leave, because, like, I can only imagine that would be so stressful. Do people actually earn, like, good salaries for it? <sighs> I'm not sure. I think... 
considering like the size of um uh well you have to consider how many people work on it or would it be like a situation where you have to consider how many people work on all these films um i'd imagine it's probably somewhere within like 20 to 30 grand uh don't count me on that though it might be wrong yeah that's not a lot that's not a lot i feel really sorry for the people working in these films and having all these deadlines too especially when like that's another thing like you know like, like they announce these films and then they, they announce exactly when they're gonna get them out like the exact months and all that and it's what kind of happens is like a good example of this um would be for love and thunder with cgi because the the team have not being given enough time so a lot of it just ends up looking really bad um, I think a better um, source of that would actually be from a few years ago with Black Panther. Um, the final battle oh, yeah. like has infamously Looks like some of our PS2 shoddy games. CGI. Uh, but basically the reason for that is because uh, I think reshoots ran late and they had six weeks. Like literally like they shot those scenes like at the end of 2017 and then the film came out February 2018. So they had six weeks to actually produce the special effects of this scene, which is obviously nowhere near enough time. But yeah, if you consider like back then, you would have had like a few films to work on per year. Now suddenly it's that like times ten. You've got like so many things coming out at once, and it's just like so sad seeing like how overwhelmed everybody must be getting. Like it's it's understandable. Like you know you want to create this big successful franchise, which they've already done. Um, but at the same time, you have to think about it in like a humanitarian way that like if you're, you have to be providing a good well-being for your employees, whether you're directly the ones financing them or not. Um, cause another thing is this company, like the companies who work for the CGI aren't actually like companies that work under Marvel Studios. They work in association with them. So these are like separate edit houses but i think one thing i've heard is that marvel studios instead of trying to negotiate and make these better work environments for these employees they're just considering making their own in-house uh vfx editing place um editing studio Basically making their own fx uh vfx studio yeah <laughs> So it's just, yeah, it seems like they're dismissive of it, and I don't know. Um, I mean, if it's you just... look at if you look at the films that they had like during the early two thousands and the CGI back then, and then you compare it to now because of like the amount of stuff they've got out now, it's 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 ridiculous to be fair. Like how something like so, um, like not well, old's kind of pushing it. It wasn't really that. I mean. I mean, it is old at this point. It's like a decade and a half old films um, have better looking lighting scenes than stuff you get today, to be fair. Uh, but that's only because they are like overcrowded and overdoing it, to be fair. Like they're trying to push out all this content, especially with the shows and all that. Like No, but I mean, it's just like overall, it's... I hope there can be some sort of solution to this situation where um, the workers' well-being is put forward and we don't, yeah, we just don't have these situations where they're being overworked 
and because it's not working well in Marvel's favor either. So it seems like a lose lose yeah. either way. It's it's not looking good. Uh, so hopefully it does improve, and hopefully the, hopefully the situation does improve. But we shall have to see what the future holds. I think that might be everything. So that kind of concludes this episode. So if you want to get into contact with us on any social media, uh, we've got our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. At so what are we watching? And if you want to suggest any films to us or just any topics in general for us to discuss, then email us at so what are we watching at gmail.com. But that is me and Jordan done for this episode, so we shall see you next time. So bye. Bye bye.